Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 6-18-2023, and we're continuing with our service with the thought of the week and prayer. I thought of the week, and I watched my daughter grow up. It was their height was determined how much they could see and eat. I can recall a time they were not tall enough to see on the kitchen counter. In time, they grew up to see what was on the counter and even being sick. As they continued to grow, the cabinets were within reach. Now they can reach just about 50 in the kitchen and they are even up. Our spiritual growth is like that firm foundation. <coughs> we can then stand up. Eventually, we can see faith with the Father. As we reach this point, God give us more power to understand. The goal of this power is, is for us to be blessed with all the fullness of God. So to grasp is to seek to understand God and what is most important to him. And he had made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. What we see as we focus on this reveal mystery is that we play us his role in the mind of God. In him we were chosen, having been protected according to the plan of him, who worked out everything in conformity power of the First of all, I like to give a happy Father's Day to each and all fathers out there. But this is the Father will for us to give us the insight of the will and purpose we have for our life. So we must stay focused on what the Father planted for us and not be able to drift on course. Because in doing so, we will not have all the insight of his will to get us what he has blessed us to have. As you think something that I have prayed to us, prayer. Thank you, Dave. Um, I'm not sure that uh, our, that transmission was, uh, it was two voices, so I'm not sure my transmission will be clear. But uh, is, is there anyone who has special prayer requests? this time bring them forward please Fred the um, the Haddon family uh, Mike Presley and family and the Presley family dad in particular <clears throat> okay let's take this to the throne of grace fathers with thanksgiving and thankfulness, Lord, that we have this opportunity, Lord, Heavenly Father, to come before you 
into your presence in worship. Lord, thanking you, Lord, for keeping us, Lord, throughout the week and keeping us safe from hurt, harm, and danger. Thankful, Lord, that uh, for this church, for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, and grow in grace and the, and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be transformed and have our minds renewed. We're thankful, Lord. And also, Lord, praying for our pastor, pastor of our church, that you will continue to bless him and keep him as he delivers your word of truth and give him the humility and the, the power to bring forth your message. Asking the Lord that you would watch over and keep uh, our father uh, here on earth, Dan Presley, that, and we're thankful, Lord, that you have granted him the ability to lead the hospital, lead the rehabilitation center, and put him back and give him another opportunity at health, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen him. <clears throat> Asking also, Lord, that you will remember, Mike, you know what he is facing, Lord, and be with him as he goes through this latest trial. Asking, Lord, to continue prayers for Sister Gail, who has lost her husband, Kenny, and her family, that's Kenny Jr. and Christina and Anastasia, Lord, asking that you would watch over the entire family and keep them as they continue, Lord, to grieve. We're thankful, Lord, again, for all these blessings, asking that you would continue to have, to give us the humility <clears throat> to set our minds on Christ Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins, that we would remember that we are not, we've been separated, Lord, from this earth and our old sin nature, and we have the power to overcome. We need to move forward, Lord. Give us the power and the instruments, Lord, to move forward and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. All these things we ask in Christ's loving name, forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> Appreciate that. So we are going to get started. We're here in the book of Galatians. <clears throat> so you have notes, hopefully. And uh, before we begin, we'll just we'll catch up to where we are. <clears throat> I'll start at Galatians 2.11 and pick up to where uh, we are. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, 
I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew and yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because no one because by the works of the law no one will be justified. So we're, <clears throat> even though we're not at 16 yet, we're in 15, and you should have notes. In your notes, let's get right over to 15, uh, but by way of a little bit of recap, <clears throat> we're going to talk about 14, I, point I, and J. I says, knowing that those born Gentiles would follow Peter's poor example. Paul uses strong words, force Gentiles. That was in, where uh, <clears throat> it says, um, how do you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? <clears throat> so this, when we said, when it says even Barnabas, because of, we could see that Peter's effect of following these Jewish customs that were really not biblical, but were those things that they derived from the Mosaic Law because of their rejection of the Holy Spirit. This is what they became, separatists. And when, when those of the circumcision group saw the association with those Gentiles, they said, those Gentiles haven't been circumcised. Those Gentiles were, not that they could see that, but they assumed that. They figured, <clears throat> if you're going to join our body, you have to become a Jew. That's what it seemed to, reasonable to them. This was carried down through from generation to generation to where Peter even knew better. He knew that that wasn't the reality. But those cultural, religious norms and standards still were in his mind. And as I said, <clears throat> in that area, his mind was not fully renewed. Even though he knew better, he didn't have the courage, the love of the Father's plan to to focus on that. Just like he said, uh, John says, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear brings torment, but love completely casts out fear. So Peter didn't have the full love in that area for the Father's plan, for this new age, this new dispensation. So he was caving into the fear that those Jewish <clears throat> traditions and customs held him under. Even though he knew, he knew better. Even Barnabas, who was from the tribe of Levi, as he was a Jew as well, he was persuaded to side with Peter, even though he had been the partner of Paul in many places, even in Antioch, where, where they were. So this is um, quite interesting to say because 
we're talking about people failing and we can't look at failure as those people are the enemies of the faith we have to understand that we fail and it is a matter of growth before we learn how to focus our attention on the Father's eternal purpose. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We, our focus is the Father's eternal purpose. So, <clears throat> point J, customs, traditional norms and standards are dictated by their learned culture and religious training. And we showed, there was one important point I wanna show you in Mark 7, 7 through 13. There was one point about that where Jesus says, they worship me in vain for nothing, to no good end, no good purpose. Their teachings are merely human rules. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to your traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your traditions. For Moses said, and he goes into an example of it, about how to honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, <clears throat> then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. So are you saying that's, Jesus says you nullify the word of God by your tradition? that you have handed down. And this phrase, this last phrase that he said, I think is super, we have to pay attention to it. It's it's the thought that should supersede all of what we have been saying. And it says, and you do many things like that. He has given them an example, but, and you do many things like that. Well, what do you mean? You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. You treat your tradition as the word of God. How do you interpret the word of God? According to your tradition. How do you properly interpret the word of God? By means of the Holy Spirit. And they were standing in stark contrast to what the Holy Spirit taught and what the traditions of their elders were teaching them. What side were they on? They were resisting the Holy Spirit. So there you have it, right? So it's no wonder that we find ourselves in conflict with people who hold to their traditions today and not the Word of God. We find the same thing happening today. So are we surprised by that? No, we're not so surprised by that. We see that. So here, we're going to get into 15. 15 says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. We'll talk about what that means. So first point is, Paul and Peter were Jews by birth. So Philippians 3.5, Paul indicates that he definitely was a Jew. I'm going to read Philippians 3.5. It says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law a Pharisee he's giving you some of his gen his Jewish resume he's so he says we when he says we he's talking about we who are Jews we know we had the culture it was part of how we grew up understanding this culture we who are Jews by birth right? so Paul and Peter they both were and other Jews were there who joined in and including uh, Barnabas right? he was a Jew as well there was a major distinction in the mind of Jews regarding the Gentiles. Paul is bringing that point out here. He's not just saying Gentile sinners, right? But he's trying to help people understand here. Gentile, those who are of Gentile culture, and maybe not understanding what Jewish culture was like and some of the things that they had to deal with as it related to Gentiles. So Paul and Peter were Jews by birth. And that distinction in the mind of Jews is exactly how they saw it. So when, when those Jews were of the circumcision group were coming, Peter, who used to eat with the Gentiles, it wasn't a problem, but when he saw that circumcision group coming, he related that to the traditions that upheld the standards that they lived by, that they were raised by. And it was very strong, the motivation for them to, to obey those rules. Peter said in Acts 10, it, it was against the law, against our law, that, that we go into the house of a Gentile. He says, but God has shown me that, that we are not to make any distinctions about clean and unclean. Not to call unclean what God has made clean. So Peter, he knew better. But what was the problem? We can't say he didn't know better. The problem was he allowed those Jewish people who were adhering and vying for the Mosaic law, he allowed them to have authority and therefore influence over him, even though he was a leader in the church. So this is, so, so you wonder, right, when we get to the beginnings of Gnosticism, when we talk about 1 John and Jude and 2 Peter and some of the things that are said, how could these people who were not believers have infiltrated the church and have ascended to places of leadership where they were teaching people? How could that have happened in the early church? Well, <clears throat> It was about authority and respect. People were listening to all the wrong people. And I see it today a lot, right? I, I see people who don't respect salvation by grace. And they know people that don't respect, they don't respect salvation by grace. They see these teachers out here talking about all these things, but then they'll listen to those teachers as it relates to the Christian way of life. Like, oh, well, they may not have that part right, but they seem to be right over here. How could they possibly have information when, about the, the life of grace when they reject salvation by grace? 
it does not make much sense. It is like Christians are living by what what we call psychological living. Right? What seems expedient, what seems right in the eyes of most people, seems right in the eyes of people who are not led by grace. What ends up happening is we end up resisting the Holy Spirit when we choose to follow tradition or culture over what the Word of God teaches. So we have to be very careful here. And this affects all of us. Don't just look at, oh yeah, what happened to Peter? <laughs> that was some example, boy. Well, the thriller in Manila, right? This was a big fight between Paul and Peter. No, this fight goes on today. And you have to grapple with it. Will you be like Paul, who, st who stood up and understood what truth was? Will you be like Peter, who he, he knew what truth was, but he caved into fear because of his culture? Will you allow your culture and the things that are in your culture to fight against the word of God? So this, this was a new dispensation, and people even though there were leaders in the church, we're still grappling with it. How does this, even though we understand we're not under the law, even though, like I said, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he said, whoa, wait a minute. I was raised with them. I understand them. I feel connected to them as well. I like it what Jesus said when they came to get him and and they said your brothers and mother and brother you you they're outside waiting for you jesus said here are my mother and brothers and sisters right here those who do the will of god are my mothers and brothers and sisters i'm paraphrasing so so the thought is that we cannot, just because it's family relationships, whether, oh, I was born in this church, this is, you know, whenever this, whenever they talk in this church, whenever they preach, it just, that twang that they have, or that particular point of doctrine that they have, identifies with my soul. And that's truth to me. No, we have to renew our minds. Truth is what the Word of God teaches. And if you haven't been under the teaching of the Word of God, then you don't have truth. You don't just get it by osmosis or from tradition or culture. It comes from the Word of God and the teaching of God the Holy Spirit. It is unique. And it's not general. So there it is. There was a major distinction in the mind of Jews regarding the Gentiles. That's point A. They saw Gentiles from the lens of their culture, which was, we ought to separate. Don't be associating with Gentiles. Remember, they're unclean. They're sinners. They don't even have the law. How can they, you be associating with them when they don't even have the law? And according to the Jews, the law was their salvation. Yeah. So point B, who are Jews by birth? We who are Jews by birth is in 15. So I'm thinking about that phrase. Even though there is no Jew or Gentile in Christ, 
there are some differences in the way they approach Christ. When I look at Galatians 3, which we're going to get to eventually, Galatians 3, 27 and 28 says this. I hope I got enough verses here. Oh, no. Well, we'll start at 24. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now, that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, not through the law. For all of you were who, who were baptized in, into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So what do you mean clothed? The outward appearance, right? For us, we've been baptized into Christ. That's internally, right? We have been united with the person of Christ. We have clothed ourselves with Christ. That means that outside of what we people see of us should be what Christ has made of us. And in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. For you to say that in Christ, there's neither Jew or Gentile means does whatever cultures and there are many between Jews and Gentiles Jews represented the culture that <clears throat> Jews had even if it's legitimate right you, you a Jew indeed as he saw uh, Nathaniel under Jesus saw him under the tree says ah this you are a Jew indeed well even legitimate Jewish culture and of course false Jewish culture, which we've been talking about, which is devoid of the Holy Spirit. And if we talk about Gentile, man, there were many Gentile ways and cultures. that we Too many for us to discuss. Different Gentile cultures. That'd be like you going to a different country and expecting that everything in their country should operate according to the way we operate in our country. And that, you, if you travel any in this world, you will quickly know that is not the way it goes around the world. You in their country, you abide by their rules, their cultural norms and standards, not ours. You bet, if you don't know what it is, you better learn it quick. Because the rule of the United States is only within the borders of the United States. But in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Now, that means your culture, you can't, it's just the person minus the culture. You can't run, say you're Jewish and that this is how the church should be run according to the Mosaic law. And you can't say that the church is Gentile and it should be run just the way you think it should be run. It is new. It is not ever seen before neither slave nor free. All those distinctions that go with how slaves are in the world and treated and how owners are over people and, and own people and all of those things, none of that is in Christ. There is neither male or female. And this refer to the distinctions that females have, which is underclass, right? M males, females did not have the same distinction in the world as males did. None of that matters in Christ. 
doesn't matter whether you're male or female. The whatever the world put on that doesn't matter. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the law was a pedagogue, uh, somebody who led you to Christ. Well, what do we call the law in this respect? The law was the ministry of condemnation. The law is the minister of death, helping you to understand what you need, that you are in the condition of spiritual death when you're born, that you are condemned at birth, that you are, that there are none righteous, and you have a sin nature from Adam. The law helped us understand that so that you could now have faith in Christ. Now, once you have faith in Christ, well, you're not... You're saved, and you are received the righteousness of Christ, and you're not in the condition of that anymore. That's you're not under that the law anymore, with respect to uh, bringing you to Christ. That's how it brought you to Christ. Now that we're baptized in Christ, none of the, those human distinctions matter. Of course, they matter. You know, as Paul says later, tradition to whom tradition is due, culture. To whom cultures do. In other words, you still have to respect, if you're living in the world, the rules of their traditional norms and standards, their culture, the laws. Respect those, you have to respect those laws, but in Christ, none of those things hold any weight anymore for those in Christ. And 29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham's seed, that goes all the way back to verse 16, I believe. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So look at this. So when it says in 29, and if you belong to Christ, which we do, because of the baptism of the Spirit, then you are Abraham's seed. He didn't say you are Abraham's seeds, plural, as verse 16 points out, but you are Christ. You, if you belong to Christ, then you are Christ and heirs according to the promise. He, he later talks more about what it means to be an heir. Well, I would just say wow to all that because there are major differences <clears throat> in the way we Jews approach God. There are major differences in the way Gentiles approach God. Major differences. Point C, Jews have a different cultural orientation than Gentiles. And although they were sinners by birth, they saw the law as their salvation. Now, this was what I call the big lie. Uh, you know, this hopefully people don't fall into this trap where the Jews did. Now, the Jews thought, <clears throat> hey, we got the law. We, Instead of them understanding it was the minister of death and minister of condemnation and that they need Christ for their justification, they said, well, we don't need Christ. We just need the law. If we got the law, it already distinguishes us from the Gentiles. We can see that we're doing what God's will is. They're not. So therefore, they're sinners. We're not. And therefore, we have justification through the law. They approached it the wrong way. They saw the law 
as their salvation. So if a Gentile didn't have the law, <laughs> he certainly couldn't have salvation. How could the Gentile be under the law? He'd have to convert to Judaism before he could be saved. And that's exactly what they said in Acts 15, right, 1 through 5. They said not only do they have to be circumcised, which is to say they have to uh, be part of the Jewish, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, the, 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 the Jewish race, this is the entrance, like circumcision is how, as a male, you would get into, it was in the law, you had to be circumcised as part, or else you wouldn't be part of the covenant, right, that Jews had with God. Well, they told, they, they said you had to be circumcised, and then they said you had to obey all the Mosaic law. Ridiculous. They couldn't obey the Mosaic law. How in the world, Peter said, how could, how could you put that on them? So point C, they have different cultural orientation than Gentiles. Because uh, Jews were sinners by birth. They saw the law as their salvation. But they were sinners by birth just like Gentiles were. We have that in, if, um, in Romans 3.9. I'll just read that. I know it's not in the notes, but it's later in the notes. Romans 3.9 says, what shall we conclude then? Do we, we Jews that is, have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. So there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God. Does that include Jews? According to Paul, absolutely it includes Jews even though they had the law? Yes, absolutely, they had the law. And, and verse 19, now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin, ministers of death, minister of condemnation. That's the law, right? that which was written and engraved in letters on stone. So that's how they saw it. That's the big lie. That's where Jews had gone astray. And it wasn't something that one or two did. It was generational. Generations of Jews discarded the law as the minister to bring them to Christ. They, they, they discarded Christ and saw the law as a means of justification before God. Point D, even though God called Israel into existence through the patriarchs, even though that's the case, what they became is due to their resisting God's intentions for the nation. Right. So when we look at Israel in, uh, in, in Scripture, when we see how they, what they became and who they were, especially at the time of Christ, um, it, was, it was not what God wanted them to be. So this is why they had to go uh, and be disciplined by God and, and taken out as a nation and, and overcome by Gentile nations. And all of that was not the will of God for them, but it was discipline, the discipline of God over them because of their disobedience, their stubbornness. 
before God. They were resisting the Holy Spirit. So what we have seen in the Old Testament is not the glory of Israel. <laughs> in their beginnings, yes, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but what they became is due to their resistance of God's intention for the nation. Point E. By the first century, when Christ came to his own, they were described as, quote, a dry ground. That's Isaiah 52, 53, 2 and 3. Let's look at it quickly. Isaiah 53, go all the way back to the Old Testament, verses 2 and 3 says, He, and it's talking about Christ in prophecy, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. There it is right there. What was Israel at the time of Christ? It was dry, a dry ground. It was not a fertile ground. But God planted his son and he grew up before him. And that's who he's talking about. And who, who's the dry ground? Israel. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him and nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In other words, he looked just like everybody else. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And this is pre uh, view of for Israel about the, the Messiah when he came. Who has believed our message? And to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed? And that's how they looked at him. They saw him and they were, they held him in low, they turned their faces from him. In other words, they said God is judging him, especially when he was on the cross. He was despised, rejected. And God used him to carry our, uh, to bear our sins and to, to make reconciliation for lost man. But how was he perceived as a hero, as somebody who was a conquering victor, uh, receiving a crown? He was the creator? No, he was despised, rejected, a man familiar with rejection and suffering in this world. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, reconciliation, was on him. And by his wounds, as God punished him, that's how we're healed. He's, he's the, the sin bearer. He bore the sin of many. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about some healing that people uh, presume they have because of the atonement. We have reconciliation that's what we need <laughs> god saved us through the work of christ on our behalf not healed all of our sicknesses in this body that is going to be destroyed it's nothing to that effect at all he's talking about the sins that were placed all of our sins were put on him that's come that's why we are bound together with him so this is important to see. Uh, we're in point, point E. In the first century, Christ came to his own, 
and that his own did not receive him. They are described as a dry ground. That's what we just saw in point E in Isaiah. Point F, and not sinful Gentiles. When Paul says, and sinful Gentiles, Paul is calling out the lie of the Jews that were seeking, that they were seeking to, to perpetuate, right? This was the big lie, is what I've been calling out. Because the big lie, instead of Israel being God's priest nation to the world, to the other nations, they said, well, let's separate from the other nations because they're sinful Gentiles. That's how we look at them. Peter says, I'm not even to associate with you all. Never mind that it is my calling to go to you all. <laughs> like, it's, it's like Jonah. What an example to go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? <laughs> no way am I going to those people to tell them some good news. No way. In fact, Jonah went the opposite direction. God had to turn him around, take him. All of that is a story to tell us how Israel, uh, the, ment the attitude that they had regarding Gentiles. They hated them. And the Samaritans were worse. They looked at the Samaritans as not only traitors, to the Mosaic law, and they hated them even worse than Gentiles. So this was a tough time for, so Paul understood all of this because you know what? He was right there in the middle of it. He was a Pharisee. He learned how the, the, the elders taught and was carried down verbally and it was eventually committed to writing. He understood all that. He was a, a master of those things, and he taught them. So did he understand them? Absolutely. It wasn't that Paul said, hey, I'm somebody who comes along and is going to go ahead to the new dispensation, and, and I'm going to challenge the old. No, he was a proponent of the old. In fact, he was on his way to, uh, to Damascus with orders to arrest people in the church and have them tried. Some of them would be executed. That was what he was on his way to do when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. So did he understand? Oh, yeah, he understood, all right. No doubt. But that Paul understood now that they were wrong in the, the way they handled their culture and the elders' influence over them. They were wrong. Israel was wrong. And Paul was calling it out. He wasn't going to bite his tongue. He saw it. it was a big lie. And he saw Peter caving in to those same cultural norms and standards that he used to teach. He saw Peter caving in and he said, no, I'm gonna, I can't allow the church to go this way. And it wasn't Paul per se. You know what it was? It was the power of the Holy Spirit in Paul. Paul allowed the Spirit this. And this is why we're reading it in the Word. He had it committed to writing for us in this age so that we can understand truth. Peter and the other Jews' actions, that was the big lie. Well, what was the truth? The truth was that no one is justified by the works of the law, Romans 3.22. We know what that says. Look at Romans 
let's read there's one little phrase at the end of that I know you know what it means but let's read that phrase to make sure we're all on the same page Romans 3:22 says the righteousness <clears throat> given through is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile so the righteousness has nothing to do with the law you mean they've been chasing after the law as a means of justification before God and Gentiles who don't even have the law or know the law can be justified by simply believing in Jesus Christ it has nothing to do with the law it has to everything to do with believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Jews should have been believing all along. This is not something that is new to them or some mystery to them. It is restoring the truth to those who were Jews. They were supposed to believe these things and they, were, they failed. It shows the failure and how far they have fallen away from God's covenant to them to go and be the priest nation of the world, to teach the gospel of grace to the world. Well, they will do it in the, in the tribulation. These aren't just Jews in the tribulation. These are Jews under the new covenant. Now, those Jews over there, by the way, now in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv and all the places there, those who rule that land, are they under the new covenant? No, I can answer that. They are not. But God is going to bring a nation of Jews who believe in Christ. And they, they believe in Christ and hold fast to the testimony, the law. Yeah, they respect the law and they're under the new covenant. I like what, what Paul says in Romans. He says, this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I will turn godlessness away from Jacob, right? This is when it happens, when Christ comes. And in the, when the, in the tribulation, when the, the Jews do preach the everlasting gospel to those who are in, to the nations, so this is important to know, right? So let's keep it going here. <clears throat> this is point G, point G. Gentiles did not have God's calling or the law, right? They, were, they didn't have any of that and were involved in darkness and idolatry. Now for my references here, there is much in the Old Testament I could point to. I would just say read Isaiah if you like. Go ahead and read Isaiah. Pick up Isaiah and read there for a reference there. And if also Ephesians 5, 12. What is Ephesians 5? What are, let's see what I say here. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. He's talking about Gentile ways the works of darkness that Gentiles were involved in. Paul says, it is shameful to talk about it. That's how bad it is. To even mention it. I'm not going to elucidate 
what the Gentiles did in, in, in their worship, in their ways of worshiping false gods, in their religion, which was sensual. I am not going to talk about it. Paul says, don't mention it. It's shameful to even talk about such things, let alone get involved and try to study it all out to all the... We don't need to go there. It's bad, and it, it is reprehensible, decadent, and it is not even worthy of talking about it. It's bad. So if we're talking about Jewish culture was bad because they refused to submit to the Holy Spirit so that they could be uh, the nation that God wanted them to be to the world, and yes, they failed, and yes, they did terrible things as well. However, we are not trying to say that the church should somehow be Gentile-ish because the Gentiles didn't have any glorious culture that we are, uh, you know, resorting to as a result of Israel's failure. No, the church is not having anything to do with being Gentile as well or following Gentile culture. So even though we might live in a Gentile country or, or under its rules and of conduct and so forth, that is not who we are in Christ. We, do not, we don't follow their ways, their cultures. So even though we might have been born in as a Gentile and raised under such cultures, and maybe today they don't do the decadent things that they did in the century, previous centuries, we still don't follow Gentile culture in order to hear from what is God, his plan, and what is he, the Father's eternal purpose. We don't follow the ways of Gentiles. Point H. So Gentiles, uh, or not sinful Gentiles, as they are called, the reason why they called them sinful Gentiles, as I said, they didn't have the law. And boy, were they involved in everything under the sun, right? So, so everything, or everyone is a sinner by birth. We know that from the bad news. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. I already read Romans 3, 9, which is why Paul's comment here is to contrast the stubbornness of their thinking. So he's, so he's laying out first, he's going to just going to lay it out first that, this is how the Jews think. He knew how the Jews thought because he was a Pharisee. He understood that. He was on the other side. He was raised in that from a baby, as we said, circumcised the eighth day. He, his mother and father were involved in, uh, in this as well, even when he didn't have any consciousness of it. So Paul knew what was happening. And when he says Gentile sinners, he's striking a chord with those Jewish believers who were there. Yeah, we who were Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He's, he's saying, I have your attention now. And he's using terms that they would understand. But he knows that there is no justification for them separating themselves from the Gentiles. He knows that. 
but he knows why they separated as well. So he calls it out. He calls it out. So we, we continue with this thought. It was sort of sarcastic, but it was instructive as to why those Jews separated themselves. Why did they separate themselves? Because they said, oh, the circumcision group thought that under the Mosaic law, you were not to associate with Gentiles, especially if they haven't converted to Judaism. So what did they want them to do? You know, oh, you're going to be believers. Okay, so you need to convert to Judaism. Well, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law. You've got to do all these things. That's what the Judaizers were trying to help those uh, in, in Antioch understand that they needed all of that if they were going to be in the body with them. And then, of course, if they were going to be in the body with the Jews, guess what they would be? Second-class citizens. You weren't, you, you weren't born. You weren't circumcised on the eighth day like I was. You, you're Johnny come lately. And you, you, you're coming to the, to the table, but yeah, you, you don't fully understand. We'll have to teach you, you poor soul. You poor Gentile. Unfortunately, some of that attitude is in the church today. Gentiles feel that they have some sort of deference to Jewish people. But here's a, here's a former Pharisee who understands grace in the new dispensation. He says we are not to be following Jewish customs. Don't put that on Gentiles. That, learning Jewish customs isn't learning about God and spirituality and what the New Age is all about. Now, I'm not trying to say don't read the Old Testament or don't go into the Old Testament at all because salvation was there from start, from look, Abel understood salvation. Adam and the woman understood salvation. Cain didn't. There was already division right there. Salvation was taught all throughout the Old Testament and uh, it is now. It's the same salvation for whether you're Jew or Gentile, like Paul said, it doesn't matter. We're all under sin. So yes, we go to the Old Testament, we can see how they understood it, how salvation was taught. We can learn from that just as we learn from the New Testament about salvation. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the way of life that we live, we are not to look in the Old Testament to understand what the Jews had under the Mosaic law. We're not under the law as a way of life. That's not our calling. We're not Israel, no matter what you do. You're not an Israelite. We're going to understand more of this next week as we get into verse 16. There's a lot more to, to, to talk about. As point, I'll just give a, a couple of highlights in point B. Paul's sarcasm, even though they were born into Jewish culture, which is devoid of the spirit, which taught them separatism, they understand salvation now. They know better than what their culture taught them. They know about grace and true justification. So Paul used the sarcasm to help them understand, to point to the fact that they were caving into the fear of their culture and they shouldn't have. 
they know better. The only reason he could appeal to them, because they knew better. That's how. Same thing as we think about people in our day. The scriptures are there as our testimony. That's our way of knowing better. We got the scriptures and we got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, rebuking, correcting, instructing us in righteousness. If we fail, then only we are to blame. It is our choice. We know better. The scriptures are there. The Holy Spirit is there. And then God, not only that, he sends us people to tell them, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. Even we who know better understand that and believe, and we got justified in, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. We will not give in to them, Paul says, for a moment. So all of this testimony is on the table. We are in a new age, and this is where we belong. We're going to have to quit. We'll stop at this point. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. I hope it reminds you of the Father's eternal purpose this day. Let's close. Thank you, Father. We have uh, opportunity here to focus on the Word, and we did. Hopefully, what we have said and the things that we have talked about have inspired us to think more about these things, to come to the knowledge of the truth. We thank you for the Spirit who is not on the outside of us, but is on the inside, understanding where uh, our weaknesses are, understanding where what were our understanding and ignorance is. And he is teaching us just as you would have him to show us so that we can be led along to understand truth. We thank you for those who have joined and we pray for the unity that the church will have in the knowledge of the Son of God and be mature. We pray for that time when that is the, the goal for the church, that we would reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of, the Son of God. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.